Kettlebell Kings would have been a world, absolute worldwide brand many years ago if it wasn't for the obstacles involved in setting up infrastructure, right? Like you can't ship a kettlebell across the world for cheap like you could, like a poster or a shirt or some socks or something like that, right? Supplements. <laughs> uh, yeah, supplements, exactly. Um, but we had that kind of brand recognition. We were getting queries all the time from, you know, many places sold to like 50 different countries over the course of the business. But um, ideally, you know, with a partner like this, and I say partner, but they own the business, you know, as long as we can continue to help expand the business, you know, into new countries, new continents, that's, that's the goal where the name Kettlebell King still becomes synonymous with Kettlebell. This is Digital Marketing. Everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you need to be focused on to the cutting-edge tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Jay Perkins, the co-founder of Kettlebell Kings and Living.Fit, and he recently just exited and is now uh, building a new empire. So we're going to talk about uh, Kettlebell Kings, Living.Fit, kind of how you utilize content marketing uh, to grow those brands, and then also uh, you know, what you're doing next. So let's get into it. Welcome, Jay. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Nice to see you again after all this time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, I'm like, oh, I know Jay. And that's it's been like six years <laughs> or longer. Pretty uh, crazy. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting time. But I feel like I just saw you and, and was uh, probably picking up kettlebells, I think was the last time. Yeah. Dropping off a warehouse in Austin. I feel the same way. I'm like, God, I can't believe that would have been that long ago. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's life now. So uh, let's just get into it. What's uh, so kettlebell kings? Um, I think did you end up becoming kind of like the top provider of of kettlebells? Because I can't even think of another brand other than like Rogue, but they're not really kettlebell focused. Yeah, obviously it would depend on how you're, you know, defining top provider of kettlebells. You know, I would say while we were running the business, there was a time where like we were certainly the number one Google ranking item for for kettlebell and kettlebells um, and smaller ancillary search terms, competition, kettlebells, powder code, that type of thing. But yeah, I mean, I would like to think on our own way, we were the top provider. You know, we outranked Amazon and all our competitors who were much larger at the time. That's awesome. Well, that's applied to, you know, your ability to, you know, come up with the content, optimize for SEO. And then it really just, I think the focus you guys had, because it was always, I mean, the name Kettlebell Kings, what do you sell? kettlebells good niche right. <laughs> and from uh and you but you guys didn't just do like one aspect of kettlebells because most people don't know that there's kind of camps of kettlebell users because everybody's a bunch of weirdos <laughs> you have the functional side of kettlebells then you have the competition side of kettlebells then you have like the hard style side of kettlebells um how did you guys kind of uh you know niche down into you know the market of kettlebells so just how did we decide to focus on kettlebells in the first place <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great question. Um, so my business partners and I, we were friends from college and we had our, you know, our first jobs out of college. We all had similar aspirations of wanting to start our own business. At some point when I was about 25, 26, I started working at an e-commerce company. So I had some exposure to what it takes to build and sell online. For about a year, we would just have weekly meetings together and talk through different business ideas and just kick around ideas. So, you know, we talk about things like, socks or you know, uh, you know smoking related stuff embarrassingly to say right and eventually we settled on kettlebells 
we could see at the time, this is 2010, 2011, that they're becoming more popular in workouts, right? Um, out of all the websites I ever sold when I was in e-commerce, no one was ever really focusing on that. Uh, you know, and so obviously that's kind of rule number one is you got to have your niche. Um, so it was the right combination of some analysis about what the market was like at the time, probably also combined with just being young enough and risky enough to just say, let's just do this. Right. Um, so we we settled on that's what we were going to do. And we just kind of went for it after that and learned a lot along the way about how to build and run the business, you know, effectively market the content, work with different groups, you know, different organizations, that type of thing. I love that because I, I really think that identifying just the opportunity, not just the opportunity like, OK, people buy kettlebells, but also what you guys are personally interested in. And based on your experience in maybe that segment saying, hey, kettlebells is a thing that could be there, you know, could be the product. Um, so when you got started, did you actually start with like an entire line or was it really just one type of kettlebell and then you kind of grew it as as you went along? Yeah. So, you know, it in a, in a lot of ways, I think it's embarrassing. And in a lot of ways, it's I think what a lot of people who are starting businesses or marketing should do where they're willing to make pivots. Our original idea was like we were going to be like a superstore of kettlebells and we were going to mm. carry all these other brands of kettlebells. So like kettlebell A, kettlebell B, kettlebell C, right? That was kind of the naivety of not having a lot of experience in business or online at the time. Um, and so eventually after we launched with that format, we realized, okay, this is not going to work for, you know, any number of reasons, you know, margins, all that kind of stuff. So we started working on our own brand of kettlebells and just through research and talking to other people, that's how we decided we're going to be carrying multiple lines of our own types of kettlebells. And I, I think we recognized that we weren't experts early on, obviously. Like there was a lot of fitness experts or kettlebell experts in the space trying to start businesses at the time, right? They had one aspect of it, but maybe not the business or marketing aspect of it down. Mm. I think because we realized what we didn't know, we sought those people out as experts and asked for feedback on like what would be helpful to carry, what are different types used for, what would make a good item, how would you improve this item so that we could tweak our own molds and, and release a, a number of different types of kettlebells. No, that, that's a great way to do it. And I think, you know, the one thing you didn't say there was the operational requirement, because if nobody, if, if you haven't sold a heavy item right. before, it's a pile of problems most of the time that you don't predict. Because you're like, oh, yeah, you just put the thing in a box, you wrap it up, you ship it yeah. off. And it's like, no, the thing might weigh like 105 pounds. Yeah. So so how, how did you guys kind of realize, like, because I remember you're, you had a big warehouse when I went and saw you. And I was like, man, you guys are moving product. And it was you and I think maybe one other guy and you, yeah. you're just sweating in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those were the days, right? Um, again, everything was kind of a learning process. And so, you know, we started the business where we had our first load in like a storage unit off like Ben White down here in Austin and okay. get an order. We drive over there, open it up, drive it to like an office depot location and, and ship it out. Right. Eventually we, we got that warehouse and, you know, we were unloading them on, on our own. We were packing them on our own. And again, you you just have to kind of pick up on the things that you figure out how could the business be better. So I think probably shortly after you visited, at least a year or two, we transitioned into having like three PLs across the country. Uh -huh. Because obviously when you're shipping weight, 
there's a couple of variables you really need to think about. One is the cost. The further it has to go, it's just going to cost a lot more, right? Uh, two is you're exponentially increasing the number of people who have to do their job correctly in that supply chain to get a good product to the customer so the end customer has a good experience. And so obviously with proximity, you reduce the amount of people who are involved in that process and you increase the likelihood of creating a better customer experience. Mm -hmm. So it was after experiencing things like that, making adjustments to the boxing and we need more, you know, uh, padding in this box. We need a double walled box here that, you know, we got it right. That's, that's fantastic. And well, I think almost an oversimplification of, of what you guys went through, because even doing that within a year or two, like that's really hard and it takes, you know, people, a lot of experience to, to realize that you even need three locations to ship out of. Like a lot of people are just like, no, we can figure it out here. And it's like, now the numbers don't yeah. work. That That's an interesting point because I do think that a lot of fitness companies still ship from a centralized location. And I even think it's some of the really large ones as well, as best I can tell, you know, when I look at what shipping costs might be, or if it says where it's shipping from. And so it, it is a bit surprising. There are challenges, you know, there's a whole new set of challenges where you don't have visibility on the product every day. You don't have, the the people in another warehouse might not have the familiarity that you have with the product so that you pick and pack the right product, for example. Um, but overall, I think as long as you know how to take care of customers when there are issues, because in the end, they're the most important part of the, the process, um, you'll, you'll get it right over time, I think. No, that's fantastic. Well, even just your ability to realize the importance of customer service, because, you know, when I had my uh, website agency, I, I would tell people, I'm like, all right, we're going to build an e-commerce store. But just know that if you get an order and you don't ship it out immediately, you're going to have problems and you will get multiple orders, you know, because people think of like, oh, no, I'll keep up. And you're like, no, if a 10 order processing takes you four hours and you just did 500 orders, yeah. how is that going to happen? So how did you guys kind of, you know, did you just make mistakes along the way, kind of figure out that process or were you ready to scale? I, yeah, I'm sure we made lots of mistakes along the way. I mean, you know, I can remember one like Black Friday early on where it was like our first kind of really big Black Friday where, you know, we did like substantial sales numbers. And I was in the warehouse by myself on that particular day, you know, and packed like 120 <laughs> boxes or something. And uh, it was obviously a lot of work, uh, you know, and obviously that's when we started thinking, one of the catalysts for, okay, we need to look at how we can get some help here or look at other warehouses. Um, but I just remember like saying out, out loud to myself that they like, you know, I'm working on something I created in my head or something, you know, something to that extent where I was trying to basically pump myself up to move like thousands and thousands of pounds of weight um, and, and get it shipped out on time. But to get back to your point, we knew from the beginning that customers were the most important thing, right? And so we were just going to be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that a customer had a good good experience. Like, even in like, let's say the small gap of the UPS pickup is at like 4.30 p.m. Let's say five orders come in before five or six before we leave the warehouse. We were still packing those up, putting them in our cars and driving them to like a drop-off location five miles away. Because we, you know, we just kind of understood that without creating a unique experience, there was going to be no way we were going to be able to differentiate ourselves from other businesses. 
No, no, that's uh, that's a huge realization because a lot of people, I think they get intimidated and then they get tired and then they're just like, you know what? They could just deal with it. And then they'll get mean to customers and you're like, you're competing with Amazon and Amazon yeah. will just comp you whatever if something screws up. Like right. if you're not, well, one, if you are not planning on doing that, then you your customer service and all your operations have to really be in line because otherwise you're not going to be able to, you know, serve them the way that they'll come back, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it sounds like you guys, true. you know, kind of went into the, the realization too that the repeat customer is really where the money's at. Is that what you ended up finding out or how did you kind of cultivate uh, people to come back after they had that first buy? Yes, I, you know, in retrospect, it seems like maybe it was just obvious to us that we we needed to do that. I, I don't know. Um, I think maybe this is something just lucky about the age that I'm at, you know, where when we around the time we started the business and just before, I think like bodybuilding.com was like really gaining some popularity. And so I had some experiences like where I ordered from them and it was just like incredible where I got my stuff like the next day. You know, this is like 12 years ago. 13 years ago and that was not common no. in, in buying online and just like get your stuff the next day people were used to having to pay for shipping and then wait for items you know bodybuilding.com had you could get free shipping when you ordered over a certain amount and you were going to get it like a day or two later and so that's just something that like really stuck with me from the beginning mm -hmm. that like this is an incredibly different and better experience than when i buy other things online most of the time and this is something that I want to make sure that we figure out how to replicate in the business. Cause like, I know how good I feel as the customer when this happens, like, I feel like I matter. I feel like this stands out and I'm going to come back. And so that became more of a philosophy at that, you know, it was, I think in business, you got to have philosophies or principles about how you think about things. And in this case, this would be an example of the philosophy or principle was, how can we do any little thing to make this customer experience stand out from when someone gets something elsewhere? Mm. And that that's your guiding principle. That's going to lead you to a lot of different outcomes, I think, in how you approach the business. No, that's that's spot on because I think, and, and like I said, you know, you keep on saying kind of like downplaying it, but it's like, no, dude, that, that realization that you're able to, you know, take care of a customer, really try hard to do it and then do whatever it takes to make sure it happens. Like, people miss that all day long. And so now you did, you did an awesome job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you might take it for granted, I guess, when like, that's how you operate your business. I certainly have had experiences when I buy from other businesses where I'm like, whoa, like I cannot believe this is how they're acting towards me. Yeah, right now. A new customer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, that's true, I suppose. But yeah. And I, I think if you're going to try to build an e-commerce business, that has to be one of the things you think about is just how can at every point of the process, how can you be thinking about making what you're doing unique for the customer, whether it's in the quality of the product, how fast they get it, what happens after they have the product, how you support them, that type of thing. The converse part of that or the opposite side of that is when you pour your heart and soul into that, some customers will still have a bad experience and they will insist that you're the worst, most incompetent company <laughs> in the world. And, you know, they'll leave you a bad review. They'll tell you just how you don't know about anything you're doing, you know, and that can be tough to take sometimes when you care so much, like, and just find yourself being like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know you had a bad experience, but like, you know, so it's, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
No, and that's that's another another side of of the e-commerce business where like no matter how good you do, sometimes you know we all have Karens and Chads, and they will you know mess up your day if you give them a shot. Even if you say like fine, refund, keep the product, just sure. leave me alone. <laughs> right. So, but those people you're not going to fix. So yeah, no, that's uh, and it's a weird dichotomy, and maybe this is something I haven't figured. Uh, had a mature yet, but like that stuff still gets to me, right? Like even in my current business, living.fit, I've had a good exit at a business. I know I know what I'm doing. I know my intention is in the right place. I know my goal is to take care of a customer. But even if, and at this point, I could still think about it maybe in terms of like, I shouldn't let this bother me. Like I know, but it still does. It still does. Yeah, by well, having the discipline to still get through it and still serve them like they weren't acting like that is, uh, you know, that's how you make a real business because right. you're never going to avoid these people altogether. It's just unhappy people, you know. Uh, but let's get into living.fit. So so did you, I know you had Kettlebell Kings for several years before you came up with uh, that concept. How did you kind of, uh, you know, one, decide to do a, what I call a partner brand where you basically have like a content platform that right. supports the e-commerce platform? Uh, and how did you start building up content to make that uh, a real brand? Yes. So again, I think probably maybe fortunate set of circumstances just working in e-commerce, you know, or having exposure, we realized early on how important content was, you know, I, I would definitely put it in the top three most important things to our business, at least, you know, if you're talking about customer service and content, because um, it serves so many purposes, you know, one, think people can share it. Two is it, it works hand in hand with customer service because you can create content that is helpful from a customer standpoint, how to use the product, how to get maximum use out of the product, right? You can answer frequently asked questions in content too, right? And you reduce your customer service questions and workload. So to me, it all fits together really nicely. And from the beginning, content was a focus. A few years into Kettlebell Kings, as we were starting to think about how can we diversify this business? So this is probably 2016, 17, we're starting thinking about it. Obviously, we're focused on kettlebells. Probably influenced by some of the stuff I was reading at the time, you know, we were trying to think of well, what if there's like major supply chain issues or what if the cost iron and steel just skyrockets or uh, any number of variables, you know, that could negatively affect our business? How could we still, you know, even potentially grow from that, right? And so that's where the the focus for Living Fit came in. And so Living Fit, you know, has a lot that it's doing right now. Uh, one, you know, courses, that people can take in kettlebells and battle rope. So actually courses that trainers can earn CEUs with, right? Mm. Um, workouts that people can do at home. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of workout platforms out there, but this is one where people can follow along and do workouts in any number. And then three is just non-kettlebell products, right? So bands, slam balls, dumbbells, just things like that. So the, the main inspiration was one, how can we start diversifying our revenue stream, you know, what if there's an article that comes out tomorrow that definitively says kettlebells are the worst piece of equipment for you? Right? Super dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. That that debate is settled once for all, and it turns out we're on the wrong side of it, or something like that. Uh, so that was the main inspiration, and that's why we started creating the content. We wanted to have something we could build recurring revenue, high more high margin revenue from. That's why how Living Fit was born. 
God, that's awesome. And now how did you connect kind of all the workout plans and, and exercises and everything you did with Living Fit with, uh, you know, selling to Kettlebell Kings? Was it an obvious relationship? Like, hey, here's a workout plan. You need a kettlebell for this. Go ahead and get it here. Do you mean like in how the relationship between the two businesses or something like that? Yeah, kind of like how did was the content platform used to generate organic traffic that you then redirected to the e-commerce side or is it just the yeah. email list kind of connection? Yeah, it, I mean again, it was it was all kind of full full charge, full press on everything, right? So like the goal is certainly if someone was to encounter Living Fit first, you know, they're gonna either be able to purchase a kettlebell kings kettlebell through Living Fit or we didn't have the e-commerce functionality on the, on the first iteration. So it was just sending people to the Kettlebell website, right? Or vice versa. So that messaging was probably a little bit muddled early on because of the technology that we were using, not having e-commerce capabilities. We've updated over the last year. We have a pretty robust site that can sell product and people can access workouts oh. on, for example. But yeah, it was, you know, part of the content marketing yeah, some of that is in email workflows. And so no matter which way you're coming into what we would have called our universe at the time, you know, uh, you were going to be getting messaging about all the opportunities available to you with, with either brand. Oh, that makes sense. So it's more just kind of like an organic connection that just kind of happened because people would come in from Cuttable Kings and find Living Fit or come in from Living Fit and find Cuttable Kings. That's correct. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a great model. That's, that's what I did. You know, actually, yeah, no, I did the same thing because we were selling kettlebells and then we made a magazine to sell the kettlebells and then, right. you know, didn't really, did we call it, I'm trying to think of what we even called the kettlebells, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great model. And I think fitness is perfect for it because there's so much content that you can make and easily connect. I think fitness is probably one of the absolute best areas that someone could work in from an e-commerce standpoint. You know, I'm obviously biased because I've been doing it for a while now, but uh, one, everything you just mentioned about content, right? There's so much you can do with content and there's so much value you can provide to people with fitness content. Even, you know, as I look at other businesses, I certainly evaluate it through that lens now. Like, what are the direct applications in fitness that would work in this business? Like, does it have a how-to aspect that you can build content around? Does it have you know, a, a learning aspect that you can build content around, you know, what are the sales channels that are available to this business, like D to C, B to B, does it have the same thing that fitness has? So I think fitness is incredibly strong. You know, I think you could also argue that it's probably one of the most robust businesses, depending on the economic environment too. You know, um, if the economy is good, people are buying kettlebells, gyms are expanding, they need kettlebells for their gyms. The economy is contracting. A lot of your variable costs, like shipping, are actually probably going down, um, mm -hmm. so that your margins are not squeezed. In that case, people might be foregoing their gym memberships and be looking for something at home. So I, I think fitness is just an incredibly robust business if you know how to position the right. Well, no, I, I think what you've done is is amazing. I think the the content play is is spot on. I think that every company nowadays, you know, has kind of foregone content because marketing was able to facilitate all of your, you know, demands just through paid media or maybe email marketing. Like those two things were okay. Nowadays, I think it's the exact opposite. I think now that content is going to be so easy to generate that every customer you have ever is going to start to expect it. You know, it's like, 
well, you sold me this thing about coffee. Like, where's all your coffee content? I'm like, where am I supposed to find this stuff? You got to look it up. <laughs> How would I go to your competitor to find out about your product? So uh, I think that was, you were ahead of the the curve. So yeah, I, I think about that a lot. And in a lot of ways, I, I actually worry about it because what you said is ahead of the curve. Obviously, that's something you have to do in business. You have to figure out how to stay ahead of the curve, right? And I think that's something that we did very well is we were very open to always trying new channels, new ways of marketing. And we understood that at any point, any form of marketing was just starting to getting priced into how any business operates, costs are going to go up, right? You know, whether it's Facebook or Google, email marketing, um, every eventually everyone's going to start doing that because there's an entire industry trying to teach people how to do that. And so, you know, how do you figure out what's next? And it, it does feel like a constant battle to figure out what's the next most effective way to reach customers. Yeah, I think that'll keep on transitioning. So in terms of uh, exiting, I think your timing was great. Um, let's talk about that real quick. So what, what, did you decide to exit and then sold or was it more like somebody approached you and then you, you know, realized it was a good time? Yeah, so we started, this would have been summer of 2021. We just, we started getting a, a lot of inquiries from people. One, either looking to provide some form of financing or funding to the business or to actually purchase the business. You know, there over the last two years, there's been a really big push in the space where people are trying to aggregate successful brands, right? It's in the same way that, you know, you had like Procter and Gamble and things like that, just buying up traditional brands for, you know, for the last five, six decades. That's not happening in e-commerce where these there's these big aggregators looking to just build their portfolios as successful brands. Um, so we started getting approached when that happened, it kind of opened our eyes to what was going on. And, and we started doing a little bit more actual proactive reaching out just to see, you know, what's out there on the market, you know, make sure that anyone they're offering something that, you know, they're not under offering us. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, eventually we got a few different offers for the business after sharing some of our numbers, it was never like set that, okay, yeah, we are going to sell. We're looking to sell. Um, you know, the way that I had thought about it or, or made the analogy is it's like if we were at the blackjack table and we were up pretty big, um, the offer came along that allowed us to take some chips off the table and then kind of play with house money after that, because you get into earnouts and the ability to keep earning on the success of the business efforts in someone else's hands. And so it, yeah, it just felt like the timing was right. Everything I had read previously was you should never really be rigid about what your exit would be or what you would do. You have to constantly evaluate the environment and decide if it's the right time or not. And we felt like based on the you know some of the offers we got that the timing was right and we ended up taking an offer. That's awesome. Well, I think, like I said, I think it's perfect timing. I think um, a bunch of changes are going to be coming soon. And it's like, you're in a good position because you have the freedom to decide what to do next because it's going to be Opportunity City in like really soon. So, yeah, I'm very happy with the offer and the timing of it for sure. And then, you know, looking forward because I do still consult the buyer, one of my co-founders and I still consult the buyer. So, you know, we look forward to that opportunity to help grow the business in Ideally, when you move into a situation like this, the company that you're selling to can do something you could ne never have done on your own, right? Kettlebell Kings would have been a world, absolute worldwide brand 
many years ago if it wasn't for the obstacles involved in setting up infrastructure, right? Like you can't ship a kettlebell across the world for cheap like you could, like a poster or a shirt or some socks or something like that, right? Supplements. <laughs> uh, yeah, supplements, exactly. Um, but we had that kind of brand recognition. We were getting queries all the time from, you know, many places sold to like 50 different countries over the course of the business. But um, ideally, you know, with a partner like this, and I say partner, but they own the business, you know, as long as we can continue to help expand the business, you know, into new countries, new continents, that's that's the goal where the name Kettlebell King still becomes synonymous with Kettlebell. No, that that's fantastic. I think that's that's kind of the ideal scenario for exiting the business is seeing it grow even more and being like, I couldn't have done that, you know, or or could have done it, but it would have taken me another 10 years and then what are you doing? So no, congratulations. Uh, I think what you accomplished is amazing. I think the brand's amazing. I think your use of content to grow the brand is amazing. So very impressive. You did an excellent job. Thank you. So, uh, you know, based on what you're doing now, uh, where can people find out more about you and what you have planned next? I'm on, well, I'm not on everything. I was going to say that. I said, you know, if someone really wanted to connect, I said, you know, LinkedIn is a fine place for that. You know, just Jay Perkins on LinkedIn. Um, as far as like what I'm doing now, you know, as mentioned, consulting the buyer of Kettlebell Kings, you know, which is exciting and, and hope to continue providing some growth there. I am also working on Living Fit still because I retained ownership in that. And so there's a, in a lot of ways, I'm completely starting from the beginning again. Unfortunately, I think it's slightly different, you know, because I know more what I'm doing now and I know more people in the fitness industry, but uh, www.living.fit is where, you know, we have pretty much everything that's non-kettlebell equipment plus workouts, forces, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, yes, everybody should definitely check out living.fit, especially if you need some fitness advice and kettlebells, which I still think are the best training method. You know, that's that's what I used to do. And I'm like, oh, I actually just started training with them again. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is better than anything else. So I, I've had that same experience where you kind of get away from them for a while. And then when you come back to your to a workout with them, you're like, man, these are these are great. I love these. Well, it's just so functional and you could do a killer workout in like 10 minutes and there's nothing else that you could do that with other than calisthenics, but calisthenics is boring. Nobody likes to come. <laughs> Burpees. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Jay. Uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciate the story. And I think it's uh, very inspiring for people to hear, you know, the process that's not this clean. Hey, I'm successful and it just happened because I'm so lucky. And it's like, no, it's it's work. It's maybe a decade of your life. <laughs> you know, it's a process, but you you did it and you know, you did a great job. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarket.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. 
It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.